Hello and welcome to Macro Horizons High Quality Spreads for the week of January 18th. Pricing Perfection. I'm your host, Dan Creter, here with Dan Belton, as we discuss the recent rally in credit spreads and where investors should start thinking about taking profits. Each week, we offer our view on credit spreads, ranging from the highest quality sectors such as agencies and SSAs to investment-grade corporates. We also focus on U.S. dollar swap spreads and all the factors that entails, including funding markets, cross-currency markets, and the transition from LIBOR to SOFR. The topics that come up most frequently in conversations with clients and listeners form the basis for each episode, so please don't hesitate to reach out to us with questions or topics you would like to hear discussed. We can be found on Bloomberg or emailed directly at dan.creter, K-R-I-E-T-E-R, at bmo.com. We value and greatly appreciate your input. Well, then it's been quite the strong start for credit spreads here in 2023 with another 10 to 12 basis point rally year to date, adding on to the 35 basis point rally we had towards the end of 2022, which brings us to almost 50 basis points in narrowing in credit spreads since October. Obviously, there's been a lot going on in the credit market recently alongside this rally, but why don't you get us caught up on where you're seeing credit right now and what you see as the largest drivers in this big rally? Yeah, so we're at 130 basis points in the ICE index right now, about 8 to 10 basis points narrower in the Bloomberg Barclays index. And these are the narrowest levels of spreads that we've seen in about nine months. So since mid-April, a month and a half after Russia's invasion of Ukraine, you'll remember there was a lot of illiquidity and stress in the month following, and then spreads ratcheted back in quickly before moving wider subsequently. So we're really at levels right now that weren't traded for most of 2022, And what we're seeing right now is there's just a lot of optimism being priced into the market. There's increased discussion around the probability that the Fed is going to achieve a soft landing, just given the strength of the labor market and probably more importantly, the downward trajectory we're seeing with inflation data. But there's obviously still a lot of risks to that outlook. And I'm seeing specifically two-sided risks. We talked a lot about the Goldilocks recovery in late 2020, early 2021. I think that's very apropos right now where the Fed needs to see some weakness in the labor market start to take shape because that's how the Fed is viewing its inflation mandate is achieving lower inflation by creating some slack in the labor market. But risk assets, if they start to see too much weakness in the economic data or in the labor market, you know, that's going to send risk assets lower as well. So we're really looking here for the Fed to thread the needle. And that's something that the market is pricing to right now. Yeah, so far the porridge has been just right in terms of temperature. And I think that's obviously been the main factor in this risk on trade we've seen both year to date and since October. But I think there are also some other factors worth noting here that have really helped push credit to these narrower levels. Certainly related to what we've talked about thus far, but I think it's worth noting independently here the easing in financial conditions we've seen, both in you know the broad financial condition index and even more apparently in the VIX and financial stress indicators that have come down significantly in, in terms of just VIX and, and financial stress. We're at the lowest levels in almost a year. So obviously this Goldilocks scenario being priced in as a big driver there, but it's a departure from what we saw in 2022 for sure. And something we're keeping in the back of minds here because obviously volatility has a significant impact on the price of financial assets. And there's really a skewed risk return profile in terms of volatility where we are right now at very low levels that will almost certainly increase in the months ahead, just given normal uncertainty. But also technical factors, I think we'd say, have been at play here. We've seen the January supply wave get off as expected. Issuance thus far in the year is, you know, really 
kind of to go back to the Goldilocks thing, right in the middle. It's not heavy. It's not light, really. We've seen a, a heavy skew toward financials. And even breaking down that financial supply shows sort of where the investor base is at right now. Because we started off the year with maybe what you'd call tepid reaction to the first few deals of the year. But what we saw there was a heavy skew towards Yankee banks, all rushing to issue ahead of the big American banks that were in earnings blackouts early in the year. And we've seen just some indigestion there with how heavy supply, particularly from Yankee banks, has been over the past year. And we saw executions get off to a rocky start. As that supply has fallen, we've seen executions move drastically in the past couple of weeks. And really the exclamation point on it is yesterday's new issue performance, where we saw the first two deals from American banks now post earnings blackout. And we saw massive order book coverage, negative new issue concessions with the heavily anticipated supply. And it just shows that the seasonal factors that we've talked about here, in both on this podcast and in our written work, that January supply is always well-received, really at play here. And that seasonal factor really proving a tailwind for credit. So a lot is at play, but certainly I'll go back to what you said, that Goldilocks pricing or pricing to perfection, if you will, hearkening back to the episode title, that's really what's driving it. So the question for me becomes... When or where will this credit rally run out of steam? And what are the factors you're watching as you try to answer that question? Yeah, so back to your point about financial conditions, I think they've certainly loosened to a point that the Fed would prefer they hadn't loosened to. But I'd push back a little bit on your characterization of the VIX or financial stress indicators destined to move higher in the near term. I actually think that given the point we're at in the Fed's hiking cycle, there's a lot less uncertainty with respect to where the terminal rate is going to be. I think we're starting to close in on the fact that the Fed's terminal rate is probably something around 5%. And with so much less policy rate uncertainty than we had much of last year, I don't know that I'm expecting so much rate volatility in the near term. And I think that is going to be a downward pressure on credit spreads and a reason to expect that we're not going to see the wides that we saw for a lot of 2022 at any point in the first or second quarter. So in terms of where this rally is going to run out of steam, I think you could make an argument on either side of it. So if you look at our fair value model for credit spreads, we're calling spreads about 10 basis points overvalued right now, even though we have seen about 10 basis points of narrowing this year in model implied valuations. And that's due mostly to financial conditions easing, expectation for earnings moving moderately higher, and then treasury yield moving lower is certainly a tailwind for credit. In terms of a target for where I think the rally is going to run out, I think it's going to really come down to the economic data. And I know that's a little bit of a cop out, but it's hard for me to set a target for spread levels, just given how rapidly the incoming data is changing and how strong this rally has been over just the first several sessions of the year. And I think we are migrating to something of a new regime, given the lack of policy uncertainty I talked about. But that said, I think we're in agreement that the next big move in credit is going to be two wider credit spreads at some point later on in the year. Yeah, all right. Well, if you want, I'll take a stab at, at trying to put a target on it in terms of a spread level, because I do agree with you. I think that the near term path, I mean, in the next couple of weeks is for more narrowing. I mean, market tone remains very, very supportive. Yesterday, worth noting just individually that we saw spreads narrow an additional one or two basis points alongside falling equities and wider CDX, just showing the healthy momentum and healthy technicals at this point in the year for the market. I think also we should see improving demand. We saw last week the largest inflow into mutual funds that we've seen since the beginning of 2021 after 2022 was easily the largest in terms of mutual fund outflows we've ever seen. I mean, last year was negative 122 billion in terms of mutual fund flows. 
Prior to last year, we had never seen a full year of outflows in terms of mutual funds. So we are seeing increasing demand, growing certainty in terms of policy expectations should certainly help. And it's worth noting in 2022 that one of the primary factors driving spreads wider was an increase in risk premium. I go into detail about this in one of our recent weeklies. I'm not going to do it here. It doesn't lend itself too well to a podcast. But the conclusion we reached, we broke down the CMDI, or that's the Fed's Corporate Market Distress Index, into its seven components to try to sort of attribute what drove spreads wider last year. And sort of the bottom line conclusion that we reached was that we saw an increase in risk premia that secondary market investors were demanding for credit. We didn't really see a meaningful deterioration in credit itself in terms of probability of default or expected recovery. We saw increased risk premia, which just feeds back into the weakness in demand, which should continue to improve. We're also in the midst of earnings season, which we expect will prove a tailwind for credit, similar to the way it has in the past two quarters. Just like in Q3 and Q4, expectations for Q4 earnings have come down significantly. And with that bar lowered, just meeting expectations there should prove strong enough for credit to continue rallying the way it did in response to both Q2 and Q3 earnings. And we've seen that as the Q4 earnings, at least just from the big banks have rolled in. They've been not very supportive if you look at them in a vacuum. And we've seen provisions for loan losses move higher by about 42% in Q4 from Q3. We've seen rising costs, both of which should pose something of red flags for the macro outlook. But given where expectations have moved to and how far they've been lowered, they were met with sort of a shrug from the market for the most part, at least. So I'm on board that I think spreads will continue to move narrower here. But I think once we see another 10 basis points or so in narrowing, which brings us to the 120 basis point level on the S index, I think that's a good point to start thinking about taking profits here. I mean, you look at the post-Ukraine war low in credit, which is 115 basis points. And I think that the bar to get through that level is going to be very high. I mean, that levels through 115 basis points typically coincide with periods of low volatility and a yield grab type of environment. Now, is that environment possible? It certainly is. But I think it's going to require multiple months of economic data showing that the soft landing or Goldilocks scenario, however you want to describe it, that we've actually achieved that. It's going to take three, four months of that. So I can't see us really breaching those levels that once you get narrower than 115, 110 basis points, you're sort of reaching extremes of the historical range. And I just can't see that given where we're at with the Fed right now and economic data that is cooling rather rapidly here. And I think that's where we can talk about the market will begin to shift its focus away from inflation, which has dominated the market's attention for a year. That shift is probably already underway, but it will start to focus much more myopically on growth numbers. And if we're looking at the indicators of growth so far this year, the economic indices have been mostly very bad. I mean, Manufacturing indices for sure have been very weak this year, but that's not really new. We've seen weakness in the manufacturing indices now for the better part of six plus months. What is new is this burgeoning evidence here of weakness in the consumer starting to emerge. We saw retail sales this morning disappoint rather sharply, and we've seen in bank earnings reports evidence of heavy reliance on credit cards with the bank's increasing loan loss provisions, things like that. And if we start to see more weakness in the consumer, I think it's at that point that we're going to see upward pressure on credit spreads as the fears shift away from inflation and to the ramifications of what a significant economic slowdown could mean for credit in general with the Federal Reserve that doesn't appear like it's it's going to change its stance anytime soon. And to me, it really comes down to timing. This weakness in the consumer is something that many in the market have expected would come for over a year now. We talked a lot about 
the pent up savings that consumers had as a result of pandemic induced stimulus. And for most of 2022, savings rates were at multi decade lows, but consumers hung on to these positives checking account balances and remained in a pretty healthy place. And we're now only starting to see the deterioration in consumer. To me, it's going to come down to how quickly the consumer picture deteriorates and then what that means for spreads. I think if you look at it from a sector standpoint, there's certainly cause for concern for the more consumer exposed sectors, things like consumer goods and retail. That's where I would look to start taking profits in the near term, given how much strength in the consumer has already been seen and that there's a lot more downside risk here. But it seems like that's probably the prominent area of concern right now is that the consumer deteriorates too quickly and the labor market slack that the Fed's been looking for maybe starts to accelerate more than it would like or more than the market's prepared for. And that could send risk assets lower, potentially earlier than we were expecting. I'm certainly on board with the sector rotation, so I think that makes a ton of sense. But you know, the last piece of this, which you touched on earlier, you talked about how there's less Fed rate uncertainty here, which should mean that VIX and, and measures of financial stress remain subdued. And I'm certainly sympathetic to that point. But as the Fed reaches terminal here, I don't think it's so much about where terminal ultimately lies. I still think that there's a risk of above 5%, particularly given the way financial conditions have evolved recently. But it's going to turn into a conversation of, of how long the Fed is going to keep rates there. And that's certainly where we're seeing the big dislocation between what the Fed is saying and what markets are pricing right now, with cuts potentially projected for 2023. And I don't think that's obviously pricing a precise path for the Federal Reserve. It's more some probability that they have to cut rates rapidly in response to the cooling economy. But even as the Fed holds policy rates level, I'd argue that's going to result in, in volatility here. The longer the Fed continues to put this brave face on that, they're going to keep rates where they are in response to a rapidly cooling economy. And I mean, at the end of the day, it comes down to will the Fed generate a soft landing? I personally don't think so. And so from a timing perspective, it's, yeah, it's going to be when does the consumer start to show meaningful weakness? I think it's going to be in the months ahead, beginning in the second quarter here, where we start to price that into corporate spreads, particularly with the sort of unknown ramifications it has for credit in general in terms of balance sheet health in both the high yield and the investment grade sector. You know, we really, I mean, it goes back to the long-term overarching view on credit, say, we've had for the past few months, which is that spreads will likely remain elevated to the post-crisis reach for yield norms that we got used to seeing, say, 2012 to 2019, just given a Fed that was really more slanted to being accommodative than what we're going to see in the future cycle. So with spreads now for the first time in nine months through long-term historical averages and closing in on the post-UK invasion low here, I think that spreads start to look rich and, and, and potentially a good sell candidate once some of this near-term momentum starts to fade after carrying us maybe 10, 15 basis points narrower. Yeah, I certainly agree. I think when you look at spreads right now at 130 basis points in the ICE index, when you look at the risks facing the economy over the long term, it certainly seems more likely than not that spreads are overvalued. But it's really going to come down to the incoming data and how quickly it evolves and deteriorates. And then what does the Fed do in response? Is the Fed going to hold rates in restrictive territory like it's been saying? Or are we going to see the Fed blink and potentially start to cut rates earlier than it's been anticipating? That certainly is a million dollar question. I, I mean, my view is that they're going to, after sort of letting the inflation genie outside the bottle, they're going to err on the side of making sure once it's back in the bottle, it will stay there. But we shall see. I think the February FOMC is obviously going to be very heavily anticipated. And so we're looking forward to that. Anything else before we go? No, let's uh, wrap up there. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Macro Horizons. 
please visit us at bmocm.com slash macrohorizons. As we aspire to keep our strategy efforts as interactive as possible, we'd love to hear what you thought of today's episode. Please email us at daniel.belton, B-E-L-T-O-N, at bmo.com. You can listen to this show and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast provider. This show is supported by our team here at BMO, including the FIC Macro Strategy Group and BMO's marketing team. This show has been edited and produced by Puddle Creative. The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of BMO Capital Markets, its affiliates, or subsidiaries. For full legal disclosure, visit bmocm.com slash macrohorizons slash legal.